nation. Those in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit. Now we want to laugh. Now we want to laugh. Now we want to laugh. Now we walk in His freedom. We are the children of God. No condemnation. There is no condemnation. Those in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has redeemed us. Death into life. Now we walk in His freedom. We are the children of God. Carpenter's Way. Man, that'll get you going. We are doing communion after uh, the service, so if you haven't picked up your little Lunchable, uh, you probably want to go out into the lobby and get that. These are these little packets. I don't know if you can see them on the stage. We are doing that immediately following the sermon, so yeah. Uh, I think Brad Bustler will be walking around kind of in the back. He'll have some, so either flag him down or uh, go grab one. Uh, as usual every week, if you want to stand and worship with us, you are more than welcome to. You don't have to, but you can. 
was a captain, sin and sentenced me to the grave. Desperate and weary, helpless for the rest of my days, until you came, and now I receive all that you've done for me.
our Father God Who art in heaven Hallowed be Thy name Thy kingdom come Thy will be done On earth as it is In heaven Oh, blessed be your name Oh, God Blessed be your name, oh God, oh blessed be your name, oh God, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts As we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil For yours is our kingdom Power and glory forever. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, God. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, God. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, God. Amen. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, blessed be your name. 
If you're not already standing, would you please stand as we read this scripture together? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. a sinner, now I'm free. Once condemned, now I'm made free. He turned my darkness into light. Now I see. Once in ashes, there's beauty. Once in pieces, I'm complete. My Redeemer now resides, lives in me. Oh, He is alive, and I am bound to death no more. Oh, He is alive, and Jesus Christ always secure. 
the Lamb of God walks late. There's victory in an empty grave. And now with resurrection power, oh, I will sing. Yes, I will sing. Oh, oh, oh. He is alive, and I am bound to death no more. Oh, oh, oh. He is alive, and Jesus Christ always secure. Oh, and death is defeated. Oh, is eternal. Jesus is alive. Oh, and raised to life now by about that one day standing in your presence and in all of your glory and your majesty lord and just trying to let our minds go there and imagine what in the world would that be like what would that be like well just to stand in your presence to see you with our own eyes and to glorify your name god your, your word says that that's our hope that's our blessed hope lord that we have this hope that one day you're going to come and you're going to take us god i ask lord as we as we think about that lord we also ask that you would open our eyes to see you around us, to see you here and now, Lord. As we look out on the creation and we see the beauty and the wonder that you have created from the mountains to the oceans, looking up at the stars and what you've done. Lord, as we look into the eyes of our children and we see you, God. As we look around and we see those people serving in your name, that we see you, Lord. And God, that we would say, there you are. God, you're right there. You're right there, Lord. You're right there, God. There you are, more than I imagine, standing here in front of me. And there you are, words can't describe you. I fall down before you. There you are. 
sustain you. Your belief in God will sustain you. What a phenomenal song. That is a song we can sing as we go home. Wow. Good morning. morning. I uh, have a couple announcements I want to make and then we're going to jump right into our text this morning. We're going to pray together first and and, uh, I I just want to let you know after worship like that it's really hard to make announcements but I'll do them real quick. We are uh, getting ready for our annual business meeting for those of you who are members of our church, you know that once a year we have a business meeting and we vote on, or we, we yeah, we vote on uh, officer, church officer nominees and all that stuff. Right now is the time you get to make nominees of members for the positions of deacon as well as elders. Uh, there's a big table out there next to the offering boxes, and you can fill that out and just drop it in the offering box. 
And uh, from that, the elders will gather over the next couple months and we'll pray together and interview and, and make decisions accordingly uh, for the next year to present to you in our November uh, business meeting. So that's one thing. Uh, I wanna, I, I've had quite a few requests this uh, last couple weeks over membership class. Our next membership class is going to be September 26th. For those of you who have been visiting Carpenter's Way or who are watching online, four times a year, quarterly, we have new member classes, and they're from 9.30 on Sunday morning till about noon. So they coincide with our Sunday morning services. And you come to that, and you'll meet the staff and the elders and uh, get a chance to go through the doctrine of the church as well as the structure, and you can ask questions and all. That's how that's done. And then you meet with an elder if you want to become a member. But if you're interested in how Carpenter's Way functions, that's the place to be. So that'll be September 26th. We'll announce it more. Uh, I do one more thing about church family. Man, we got a lot of sick folks. We got a lot of stuff going on right now, a lot of folks with COVID. And uh, so I, I want to ask you to keep praying for each other uh, and keep encouraging each other. And I want to remind you, there's three ways to be prayed for and to pray for others. One is anonymously, as you go out between these two doors is a wall. It's called a prayer wall. And on a table in front of it are little three by five cards. And you can fill out a prayer request anonymously and stick it on that wall. If you're a child of God, we ask that if you put one up there, you take one and pray for somebody else. So that's how that functions. If you're not a child of God, we still want to pray for you. You put that prayer request up there, and, and we will. I, I guarantee you, you'll be prayed for. The second way is if you'll call the office, and uh, you want to be put on our prayer list. It goes out every Friday to the whole church. Uh, just call the office, email us, text us. Uh, lots of ways to communicate. You can write it on a piece of paper and drop it in one of our offering boxes, and we'll make sure you get added to that prayer list. A lot of things on it right now. Family, make sure when you get that in your email on Fridays that you open it so you know what's going on in people's lives uh, and praying for each other. The other, uh, the other way is if you have an emergency, if your family gets in a car accident and somebody's being rushed to the hospital, uh, Dolores runs a, a urgent prayer group. And I don't know how many of us there are. There's a lot of people on that group. But if you have a cell phone, she texts out that prayer request and we pray for each other. Man, the last few days it's been very active. Sometimes we'll go a few days without any, but uh, it's been very active the last few days as, as there's a lot going on. So uh, anyway, you can contact the church office, like I said, email or text us, or even, like I said, put it on a piece of paper, drop it in the offering or, or the offering boxes, and we would be glad to, uh, to put you on those lists. But as the world gets weirder, the body life gets more significant, right? We've got to take care of each other. So, so that's what we do. Um, Having said that, we're going to turn our eyes now. For those of you who haven't been with us, we just finished a study of Acts. We walked through every verse in the book of Acts together. We wrapped that up last week. Uh, and I'm going to make some uh, uh, overview comments, and then we're going to have communion this morning, so we're kind of in between. And next Sunday, we're going to start a study in the book of Galatians. You're going to find out why in a few minutes. But, uh, but this, is, uh, this morning, uh, it's really interesting. As I started to outline... What was going to, uh, what I really felt like some observations, man, this, this week kind of made it really relevant. You know, the thing that happens in Acts is there's a lot going on in the lives of followers of Jesus all over the globe. And we've been reading about that. And now it's, it's happening close to home. So uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But I do want us to pray together. Uh, can, we just, can we just bow for a moment, whether you're in this room or you're at home? And I would ask you in your heart, uh, just to ask God to speak to you this morning. Would you just take a second? I want to be quiet. Would you just ask God to speak to you? Even if you're not saved, just tell him if he's there, you want to hear from him today.
Now, brothers and sisters, I'm coming with a heavy heart to the pulpit this morning, and I, I would ask you to pray for me, because whenever I come with a heart full or a heart sad, I have a tendency to overspeak, and I want God to guide my lips. Pray for me, please. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now that the loudest voice in our hearts would be yours, that uh, we would hear from you, and that we would be changed by you. And at the end of our time together today, as we, as we take communion, that that would be a reaction to your call to follow you. So Lord Jesus, would you please uh, speak this morning, speak to me, speak through me, um, minister to me, minister to others through me, and Father, please don't let my sin and my flesh get in the way. It's happened a lot, and I don't want it to happen today. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. And now, Lord Jesus, may I be a spectrum of your truth to this, to this flock. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you can already tell, it's been a very emotional week for me. Uh, and probably for a lot of you. I mean, the pictures of Afghanistan, let's put the pol political junk away. Whatever you think of why it happened. Uh, if you have been paying attention, if you're involved, that wasn't a shot. If you are involved with ministries that are international, then you probably this week have heard from pastors in Afghanistan. If uh, those of ladies, those of you involved in the IF gathering, Jenny Allen has had some of her posts of pastors in Afghanistan. And uh, I, I put a couple uh, quotes from, from Pastor X, that is not his name. Voice of the Martyrs is all over this. There's a lot going on over there. And uh, um, what is ironic is that what's going on over there, those pastors are, are not wanting to run away. They're, you know, the quote I put on Facebook, and I'm going to kind of kill it a little bit, but the, ter the, the quote is generally, if, uh, if we have to experience hell on earth in order to find heaven at the end of this life, so be it. I mean, I mean think about that. Um, kind of crazy when uh, fathers are giving their daughters, Christian men are giving their daughters guns and says if the Taliban come in, make sure you end yourself. It's a weird time. And I, I don't bring you in here to, dis, to, to uh, discourage you, but this is going on right now with people who love their children as much as you and I do. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just humanity. And um, I bet you this week they weren't arguing pre-trib rapture. I mean, it's okay to laugh. I mean, it's, it's a little bit humorous. It is. Uh, nobody's debating over the color of carpet, right? Or what style of singing we have in the church. I mean, they probably don't have any music. They're just singing acapulco, you know? I mean, this is, this is so intense. Just so you know, I don't, I don't want to over-intense it. This is intense. This is reality, and I'm, and I'm heavy-hearted in it. But you've got to laugh a little bit because our, the Holy Spirit is, is working in our, our believing brothers and sisters right now. You know the number two... These are statistics that I cannot prove, but the number two conversion group in the Middle East is Iran. I mean, it's Iran, right? From what we are understanding, and I'm not there, but from we, what we're reading, and Julie and I have talked a lot about this, many of the mosques in Iran are emptying out because people are coming to meet Jesus. They're meeting Jesus through the testimony of others as well as the Holy Spirit visiting with them. We're talking Acts stuff real, genuine transformation. And they are radically living out their faith. 
And their goal is not to build bigger buildings and be churches everybody can come to. They're just following Jesus. And what's, what's really crazy is it's not just in Afghanistan, truthfully. As I already mentioned, it's in Iran and China. And we kind of just accept that as the norm. But do you realize that pastors and churches in Canada are being arrested? Churches are being burnt down in Canada. Evangelical churches. I, I know I, I tell you I don't watch the news, but I read it. <laughs> churches are being burnt down in can Canada, you know? Our Canuck brothers up there. It's happening all around. If you're not paying attention, we're being equated with the Taliban, the terrorists, because we believe the Bible, and it's happening. And it's very heavy mentally and emotionally as I look, take all of this in, especially what we just looked at in Acts and what we just studied in Revelation. For those of you who didn't, weren't able to come out on Wednesday nights, it is an amazing book. We read through it fast. I think what we do it in six weeks. I could have done it in two. Um, I know you're like, you read fast. But it was amazing because the believers who are martyred actually are under the throne crying out, God, avenge our blood. Remember those of you who were there? Avenge our blood, avenge our blood in Revelation. And the Lord answers them. Remember what he said? No, more must die. Well, that doesn't fit my church's mojo. Well, we were never supposed to sell this on a lie. The truth is God is doing something in the world. He is patient in his return because it isn't about us. It's about his plan. God is redeeming people in Iran and now Afghanistan. That's one of the things, and I'm, I'm going to kill some of these quotes. And I know, Heather, you watched some, and Julie's listened, and I know others have. So please forgive me if I don't get them exactly right. I will get the tone and tenure of it. But basically, the pastors there are like, one pastor Julie was telling me about was saying that, while I know you're praying for us, we're praying for you. And now what we are excited about is that there's going to be a great revival in the church in Afghanistan. Look out, America. Here it comes. Now, you want what they're saying, right? This isn't going to stay in certain corners of the globe. This is the future. Have you read Revelation? We better prepare our hearts, not just our facilities. And, and that's what we really saw through Acts. Um, <laughs> so before Julie left, Julie and Anna are back, and they took a trip to Ohio. Some of you saw some of the pictures online. It is a beautiful place with less humidity. And, but January really stinks there. But uh, they went up there. Before she did, Julie, we found some really inexpensive curtains. And, and you know, you don't just buy a curtain and hang it. You have to, I guess measure it and, 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 and put it the right size on your windows. I don't know what you're saying, honey, but if you'll text it to me, I'll look at my phone. She's actually going to text it to me. So, um, but uh, she measured it. And you know, when you look at our windows and then we put those, the, the curtain rods up, you know, because we have a house custodian that does stuff like that. And uh, when you, when I hung them, I mean, they look flat, right? You put a you put a, uh, I, I even did a level, guys, I know what that is, and I put a level in, and I, I drilled it in, and then she, she wanted to do a template, so she hung one, and we measured from the ceiling, and, and she did, made one template, and then she was going to put them all on the bed, and they were all going to be the same size, there's only one problem. When you looked at it, to make a long story short, they looked like they, they were all the same size, her template was strong. The problem was, 
the house custodian, his measurement of that wasn't strong. It, it was not a good game. I should have hired one of you to do it. Uh, plus, the ceiling isn't always straight. And so she had to go back and take a measurement for each one. And then at the bottom, when she sewed those, they became what they needed to be. But from just a perspective, you know where I'm going with this, right? From just an observation, from just looking at it, they looked sure. But when we actually measured them to a, a, a solid measurement, they weren't sure. We didn't know that until we did that. And, and um, the, the truth is, it felt straight, it looked straight, but when we measured, we realized it was a little off. And I'm afraid as we look from the 30,000-foot level at the church, we think we're fine in America, in, in Western culture. We can add that. Um, we think we're sure and strong, but then you look at Acts, and then you look at the, fam the spiritual family in Afghanistan, and we, believe about, we, we hear about and read letters from brothers and sisters in China and Iran, and even Canada now, you just begin to realize that the church in America, while having sound doctrine, is just off-center a little bit. And it's a significant little bit. Which is one of the reasons why, Kevin, will you put that picture up there for me, please? The next one. Which is one of the reasons we're going to do this next. This is going to be our next study. We're not going to go to the Galatians to find out how grumpy Paul is, because he's very upset. And we're not going to go to Galatians just to teach the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to go to Galatians to find out the only way to have a right relationship with God. We're going to put out the, the pendulum swings. If you're conservative, it's a conservative doctrine. If, 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 you're, if you're charismatic or Pentecostal, it's a Pentecostal message. Well, we're going to go and do with this what we did with Revelation. We're simply going to see what Paul has to say to us about the only way to God. That's what we're going to do. That's what that word exegetical means. We're not going to read into the text. We're going to read out of the text. I want you to hold me accountable as we do that because I grew up conservative and some of you are going to go, oh, that's your conservative doctrine and we're going to wrestle through the scriptures. That's what we do here. For those of you who have not been here long, we wrestle through the scriptures together. And the scriptures are our final foundation. But that's going to be, that is going to be our measuring marker for what the gospel is. Okay? But before we get there, I do want us to take some time and look at the church. And not the church in general, but I want to talk to us as a church. Because, yes, we are sisters and brothers to all of the other churches in the, in the area, but it's really easy for us to sit back and say, so, churches are so stupid, churches are so wrong. We can't fix all this. We can't evaluate our hearts. And we are moving every word with which I share with you this morning, we are moving our way to communion. And communion isn't just something, although we grew, most of us grew up in the church taking communion, most of us walked an aisle, most of us have been baptized in one way or another, most of us have done all this stuff, and church is part of our culture. God, guns, whiskey, and God, you know? That's our culture. I, I said whiskey twice. I should have thrown beer in there. I, it's just, it's our culture. But that is watered down what it means to be a follower of Jesus radically recklessly saying, even if I, if I have to live in hell, to minister to others, I am willing if they can find Jesus. That's what it meant to be a follower of God in Acts, and that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus right now in Afghanistan. That's what it, it's becoming the meaning of being a follower of Jesus in Canada. It is illegal in Canada to teach the Bible 
the parts of the Bible that refer to specific sins. Because it alienates a community, it's called hate speech, and you can lose your ability to meet. That's why pastors are being arrested. It's been that way for 15 years, whether you know it or not. Focus on the Family, which many of us grew up with, has a completely different ministry in Canada where they have to edit their, their, their statements to fit that culture. And, and look, I, I don't... It's not about the physical sins. It's about the sin nature that needs to be redeemed. And I'm not here anti-government. I'm not saying... I, I don't believe, although we're going to have... I want you to vote. I want to encourage you to vote. We're going to make it possible for you to vote this year by having uh, Sharon Kennedy is going to set up voting sign-ups here as we always do. But I don't believe politics is the answer. The problem is that our hearts have grown cold and the world wants peace more than they want God. And so they're going to kill and arrest anything that keeps peace from happening. And I remind you, Jesus' word says, I brought a sword. I brought a sword. We are not at war with the world. We are at war with a liar the adversary, Lucifer. And the battle with which we fight is not physical arms. It is, it's, it's the truth. And before it hits us, we better prepare our hearts. We can't read Acts as just a historical book when things were tough. We have to read Acts as part of the story that we're part of. And, and these gatherings that are optional a lot in our culture, and, and I get it, I, I want you being with your family. I've never associated your spiritual walk with coming, you know, missing every couple of weeks. I do think fellowship with the family is part of a healthy relationship with God. But the truth is, you need to be, if this, as this world gets weirder, we need to be together more so we can say it's okay. You tell me sometimes, I tell you sometimes. I love that last song. There you are, because don't you feel that sometimes? Where are you, God? Come on, why could you let this happen? And, and that's what happens in Revelation. The Christians cry out, what are you doing? And God goes, just be patient. It's my message to you. You hang in there because it's going to get uglier, more painful, more difficult. But don't worry, on the other side of that is me. It, it, the truth is sometimes I just want God to say something. I want fire from heaven. I want to, I want to see him and I, I don't all the time. That's what I love about that song so much. There you are. It's almost like when Chad and the others wrote that song, it was like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a moment we see him, and you will see him, brothers and sisters. And I promise you, 100 years from now, when you see him, or six years from now, or six months from now, when we see him, all of this will have its right place. It'll be nothing. It'll be a shadow. It'll be a memory. And all that will matter is that we are with Jesus and that we took as many people with us as we could. That's what we saw in Acts. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 1, because before we get into Galatians, I want to take one more look. I want to take one more observation, because what we have did through Acts, Acts is a historical book. It's not a doctrinal book, and it's very dangerous to learn things about poisonous snakes in the arms of, of apostles from Acts. Just because Paul gets bit by a poisonous snake and doesn't die doesn't mean you should be throwing rattlesnakes at each other. And there are Christians who believe that junk. They're nuts, but there are. And, and so it's a historical book. We watch God working in the, in the lives of ordinary people. Ordinary. Ordinary people like Paul and James and, and others. There's all these characters that are unnamed. Ordinary people that extraordinary God comes in and he uses them. That's the story of Acts. The story of Acts is not the story of the apostles. It only talks about three of them. 
It's about what the Holy Spirit can do through ordinary people like us. And, and as we wrap up Acts, before we get into Galatians and we jump back into what is truth, what is the doctrine of salvation, that's what we're going to do in our next study. What is the least I must do to be saved, but what must I do to be saved? How do we take this pendulum that legalists say you add to and, uh, and others say you don't have to repent? We're going to find that middle ground according to the teaching of Paul. Before we get there, I want us to take a look at one more church. And of all the churches, it's very interesting because the greeting of this letter, written by Paul, Silas, and Timothy to this church, he actually refers to them as the model church. Some other interesting facts are this is only one of two of Paul's epistles or letters to churches where he doesn't begin his letter by defending his apostleship. There, that tells us that there was an intimate relationship with Paul in this church. They weren't questioning his credentials. They believed him. He, he was close with them. They understood him. This church, along with the church of Philippi, were unique in that Paul's purpose in writing them was not necessarily to correct bad doctrine or church problems, but to encourage and thank them for their, thankful, their, their faithfulness to God and encourage them to continue on. And it is with un that understanding that I want us to take a few moments this morning and look at why he saw them as a model church. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. Verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, and pray for you constantly. And as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. How do we know that? Because when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what he said was true. And you know our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example. This is that word, the same word for model. You become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now a word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Please notice what they talk about, their faith in God. Think about what they're not talking about. Their beautiful building, their wonderful programs, their children's ministry. They're talking about their faith in God. We don't need to tell you about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Man, what a letter to receive from Paul. I mean, it, it is... Uh, I mean, who could... Paul could unload so much truth directly. Have you read First and Second Corinthians? If you don't know that side of Paul, wait till you hear Galatians. He does not hold back. And so he's not shy about, direct, about confronting foolishness or sin or unthoughtfulness. But in this letter, man, he just, he just loves these people. What is amazing as I read this, and I'm going to make some observations about what he appreciates about them in a few moments, 
But I get letters from coaches, church coaches, pastoral coaches every week where if we pay them a certain amount of money, they will help me as a pastor learn to shepherd the flock. But I'll tell you what, 98% of what they offer is leadership, leadership uh, techniques, church growth techniques, stuff that he doesn't talk about. Every week I get letters from financing groups who want to finance church building programs with statistics that will raise. If you build a new building, more people will come and then also giving will increase. It's almost like you would think from all of these coaches that I get, and I mean 100% of them, that the goal of the church is to exist, not to be faithful. That the goal of the church is to grow in numbers, is to raise giving, is to build buildings and do it all over again, and that's what keeps the church alive. The problem is that's not at all what he, he talks about here. Did you notice that when these believers accepted the gospel, genuine physical and emotional, emotional persecution came with it, and yet they remained faithful? That was one of the things Paul thanked them for. While experiencing their own big troubles in this life, because they walked away from false idols, because of that, they still took time and energy to encourage Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This is an amazing church, not because of what they did, but because of what they were. In this short introduction, Paul shares with them exactly what made them the model church according to these big early church uh, players, the three, and it is those things that I'd like to prioritize and, and point out before we take communion together. I want to point out that Paul, Timothy, and Silas are not writing to an organization called First Church of Thessalonica. They're writing to, 1 Thessalonians 1, to you who belong to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, now look, I know you're going, well, what's the difference? There's a huge difference. Just because somebody goes to church does not make them saved. Paul always warns all of these churches, throughout Acts you saw the warning, that what's going to rise up among them, he warns the Ephesian elders, there are going to be people even rising among you that are going to move away from God. It is so scary when you look at it, not scary, but it is, it is eye-opening when you look that the church of Ephesus had good doctrine when Jesus writes them. They are faithful in persecution. They don't tolerate bad leadership. They are highly effective in ministry. They persevere. But one thing I have against you, you don't love me. It is possible to have an evangelical church, organization, that is not in love with Jesus. It is, in, it is possible to become a political entity. It is possible to become an emotional entity, a moral entity, a cultural entity, and not be in love with Jesus, apparently. And in this letter, he doesn't address that. He just wants them to know how proud he is of them. Because, and, and, and that he, he is writing to those who belong to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you watching online or even this room are going, how do I know if I'm in that group? What if I'm just a cultural Christian? I'm not truly a child of God. That's why we're doing our Galatians study, and I would encourage you to plug in every week. There's not a section, there's not a word in that chapter, not a verse in that book that isn't significant towards that question. And I encourage you to come courageously, my Baptist friends, my Assembly of God friends, my Presbyterian friends. I encourage you to come courageously, because we're going to look at what Paul said is the only way to God. And we're going to compare that to what Jesus said is the only way to his Father. And I've got to tell you something. When you study that, when you look at that, 
It makes you a bad Baptist, a bad Assembly of God member, a bad Presbyterian. It makes you a great follower of Jesus. Because as the world in our culture, as Christendom in our culture, becomes more political, more moral, more self-righteous, more combative, I want to remind you that God gave clear instructions to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now. Clear instructions. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Are you kidding me? They could kill them. They could rape their daughters. We are in a weird upside-down kingdom, family, where our hope is there, not here. How serious are we about this? That's the question that all of us have to ask. And the problem is, while things are relatively comfortable here, it's really hard for us to sell our souls. And you know that. I remember when I came to Carpenter's Way, there was a lot of people that said, you know, you're going to preach the Bible, there's going to be a lot of people that are offended by it, you just do the right thing. There's going to be people who want you to do their thing, you just do the right thing. And I think I was told that three or four times, and all three or four of those people have left Carpenter's Way. We're all capable. I'm not even dogging them right now. I'm just saying we're all capable of flesh and selfless, including the pastor. My goodness, I spent time apologizing to people this week because I'm an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I just have a huge idiot mouth. (laughs) We're in this together, you guys. We are so in this together. We've got to stop leaving churches when we get mad about stuff. How can we... How can we prepare for what is inevitably coming, even if it's not to us, but to our children or our children's children or our children's children, 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 children's. I'm quite a communicator. All of it. It's coming. We know it's coming. How can we prepare them to handle it as a family if we're modeling a lack of commitment to his people, to his word, to his truth? The only way we will survive, what is coming? is if we are serious about God and serious about each other. And that's what Ephesians lost. Love for God and love for each other. They cared for each other because there were family in God. We've got to get away from being church and commit ourselves to being God's people. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3. We always thank God for you and pray for you constantly as we pray to our God and Father about you. We think of your, this is what's on their mind. This is what we're thankful for. Faithful work, loving deeds, and enduring hope you have. But here's the interesting part. He ends it with, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful place for me to remind you of Romans 12 too. Would you put that up there for me, Kevin? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So the church should not be like the world. But let, us, but let God transform you into a new person. So you've got to live differently, but God transforms you into that. And it even tells you how, by changing the way we think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, what are we supposed to do with the wrong president or an evil world or, or, uh, or people that want to kill us? What are we supposed to do? Well, it tells you right here, let God change the way you think. We should not just be mourning for those Christians in Afghanistan this pastor, and forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm just bear with me, and we can send you the video and you, or the audio file, and you can listen to it, right? It's open, right? But this pastor says, our hope, so there's famous Christians in Afghanistan, just like in the United States, 
And they're all being killed or arrested. But then there's not famous Christians. There's just people like you and me that are just living out their faith, right? And you know what their goal is? To get into the Taliban. To make their way in so that they can reach him for Christ. I hate the Taliban. Jesus doesn't hate the Taliban. He died for them. Well, their behavior is evil, so is ours. It's been. We're just like them. Only we're not murderers. It's just the truth. Well, yeah, but they're really, really bad. Maybe we should stop doing that. Gay people aren't any worse than straight people who sin. Murderers aren't any worse in God's standard than people who hate people. That's what Jesus said, remember? In, in, in his big message. You say you've never committed adultery? Good for you. Have you ever lusted? Well, everybody raise your hand who hasn't... No, don't do this. Everybody raise your hand who hasn't committed adultery. Everybody's hand went up. He said, everybody who's lusted, put your hand down, because my father considers that adultery. Everybody's hand went down with Jesus. Okay, let's do this again. Everybody lift your hand who's never committed murder. Everybody's hand went up. Every one of you that hates somebody, put your hand down. That's what my father considers murder. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. I, I know, I'm with you. That's ridiculous, Jesus. Nobody can ever do that. That was his point. His point is salvation through faith in Christ alone. And somewhere along the line, although we say that, we don't mean it. When you and I are murdered for being a child of God, if that were to happen, we go home. We've been set free. When they die, they go to hell. Which, we've got to reorient our passion, our, our, our focus. I don't, I don't want our brothers and sisters to go through what they're going through. But some of them are actually kind of okay with it because they believe there will be an uprising of people following Jesus because they see the difference. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. I'm so proud of you. You've you got all these things you do, and, and we're comfortable with that. But their thinking had changed. You see... Paul and Silas actually say that as they tell them that they're thankful for their faithful work, their loving deeds, and their enduring hope, he says, and this is a pronoun in the Greek, because of or coming from our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's not going because you've become good followers of Jesus. He's saying because God has transformed the way you think, and now, as a result, your life has changed. You see, you and I grew up in churches. Those of us who grew up in church, doesn't matter if you were in a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church. We grew up being taught how to have the fruit of the Spirit. You've all, if you've been in church very long, have all heard a fruit of the Spirit message. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And it's a 12-week mess series on love. One is love. One is joy. One is peace. And at the end of each of those messages, it's the, the, the pastor says something, how to have joy. And then he throws some statistics out there and some things to you. And I'm here to tell you, when was the last time an apple farmer taught an apple tree how to grow an apple? The answer is never. You, you don't teach you don't teach a natural organic growing thing how to grow. You just make sure that the ground around them is healthy. The church keeps telling you to work harder. It's your fault. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ has transformed you from the inside out. The moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in, and he begins the process of transforming the way we behave by first changing the way we think. And I'm not talking about not having a problem with people that, wear, that, that have Muslim roots. I understand that there's fear and there's hate 
That may remain, but what doesn't remain is that God loves them. And that begins to change the way you treat them. It may drive you nuts that somebody wears pants down to here. That may always drive you nuts. That's not the point. The point is Jesus died for people who don't have belts. Okay, that was a shot. Please forgive me if you don't have a belt. I will buy you one. You understand the point, right? That it's not about this life. It's about the next. And I have a grandson. I don't want my grandson to be scared growing up. So I have two choices. I can get mad and pretend that that solves it, or I can teach him to be a warrior for Jesus Christ. I got a choice. What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do? You, you can't put your head in the sand on what's going on around us, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't see a difference. I mean, even if, even if a war-mongering president gets in office in a few years, what are we going to do, nuke the whole Middle East? They're just moving around. And at some point, you have to look at Revelation and go, okay. So here we are. Aliens and strangers on a weird planet that doesn't have morals and love. And so maybe it's our turn to be loving. Maybe we're supposed to be the freaks. Maybe like Jesus when he's dying on the cross, we're the ones going, Father, please forgive them. No, I'm not going to say that. Then don't. But don't claim to be in spirit, being led by the spirit, because that's what spirit-filled people do. They're weird. Their flesh doesn't seem to have any control. And I want to be one of them. I'm scared of dying. I'm a screamer. I am. I don't like to stub my toe. I can't even get a stupid curtain rod straight. I mean, I, I have dreams about one day getting weird here and being the first to go, although Jeff is the executive pastor, and everybody knows they're the first to go. I, I don't know what that looks like, but here's the cool thing. I don't even have to prepare for it because the Holy Spirit rides within me. I don't have to prepare for how I talk to people who are mad about this message. I don't have to be prepared. I just let the Holy Spirit guide and direct me. I do have to prepare to understand the scriptures to feed you well. And that's where we find ourselves. These people had, were blessing to Paul and Timothy and Silas because, yes, their faithful work and loving deeds and enduring hope, but it came from the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that we're going to learn and, and, and I'm, I'm getting close to the end here. But one of the things that we're going to learn in the, in the book of Galatians is something that somebody's new to our church has been teaching me. And that is that we've got repentance wrong. Repentance is not the concept that you're sorry for your sin or you've been caught. That's part of it. But repentance is an absolute change of mind about everything. That's what the Greek is. It's a conversion of thinking. The Greek says conversion. Some of, the, some of the more literal translation actually translated as conversion. It doesn't use the word repentance. Because repentance says it's kind of like, oh, I got caught looking at porn. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's going to ruin my marriage. That's not repentance. That's called guilt and shame. Repentance is saying, I'm following Jesus because sin doesn't work. I'm following Jesus because life without him doesn't work. I'm in love with Jesus because he loved me first. It is a complete change of thinking. And boy, that's not what we teach. What we teach is you better repent. You, you, you. And God's going, no, 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 me, me, me. That's what Galatians is going to teach us. Galatians is going to say, Paul says in the middle of Galatians, so just to be clear, you didn't get saved by your works, but you think works are going to save you? Now you think that? Hello, McFly. I mean, he is mad. 
I haven't decided about what I'm going to do when I get to the text where I wish, I, I wish those people who say you need to be circumcised should circumcise themselves. I, I don't know what we're going to do with that. I may just skip that verse altogether. Because you're pretty adult, so I mean, actually, I'll just read it and you'll know exactly what he's talking about and it ain't pretty. He's mad. And he's on point. The message of God has been hijacked. And we've got to get back to God. And if you want an example, look at our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and Iran and China and Acts. You want to know what it looks like? It looks like Acts chapter 4 where Jane, or Peter and John are arrested and they're before the Jewish council. And the Jewish council says, we'll let you go and won't kill you if you stop talking about Jesus. And their response is, you decide for yourself, council, if you're going to be, obey men or God. But even if we promised you today that we wouldn't talk about Jesus, we can't help ourselves. Wow. We're, I'm just community we here, most of us can't remember a time we talked about Jesus to somebody who's not saved. They're like, we can't help ourselves. And I'm not trying to guilt you this morning, family. I'm with you. I'm part of the problem. And I'm not the problem. And you're not the problem. It's that we, it's time. It's just time. Time for what, pastor? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's what's weird about this message. That's why I wanted you to pray for me. I don't know what it's time for, but I do know that it starts and ends with surrendering. That's all I know. I have no idea what that looks like a year from now or five years from now. I don't know what it looks like. I would have never guessed what it looked like for our Afghanistani brothers and sisters, but I do know that as they keep their eyes on Jesus, they'll make it. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4-10. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when he brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with the power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. You see, this isn't, this, this thing that we do, this thing that we have, this thing that we are, is not the result of the right parents, the right church. It is genuinely the result of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm not sure here, we, we all know that here, but I'm not sure in here we believe that. We need a little bit of charismatic in us. We need to believe in the Holy Spirit's work in and through us, the power of the resurrection we sang about this morning, the transforming power of God, even unto death. We all love that song that's got a line of Johnny Cash's in it that we sang last week, Death Can't Keep This Body Down. Ain't no really good English. But it's the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus. <laughs> the same Holy Spirit that resides in us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us how to get to this place. How do we overcome, and some of you are going through cancer diagnosis, and some of you are, have COVID, and, and you're sick, and you're tired, and you're wondering, come on, God, you've you got to come through for me. You've never prayed that, right? Only three or four of us, right? This is how we get here. This is how we become like the Thessalonians. This is how we become like the brothers and sisters in Acts. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. Uh, trips us up. Not just the sin, everything that slows us down, but especially the sin. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Don't change it yet. And we would all agree to this, right? I mean, everybody. I know you love Jesus. I really do. You're not here this morning because you had nothing better to do. You might be here because your mama drug you. But short of that, 
You're here this morning because you, wanna, you, you believe in this. I know it. But you hear that and we all go, yeah, I just, I need, okay, so I need to throw this sin off. I need to throw my flesh off. I agree with what you're saying, Pastor Mark, but how do I get there? Next verse. There's your instructions. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You don't keep your eyes on Baptist tradition or even our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan or Acts. You do that as a measuring tape, right? Just a measuring tape. If all we did after she hung those curtains is took the measuring tape that was actually accurate and hung it on the wall, you'd walk in and go, why are there measuring tapes on your wall? It's not the measuring tape that you keep there. It's what shows you what's out of line. And I think everybody in this room, and I've talked with most of you at one time or another, would agree that the church is off kilter, right? In general. Would we all agree with that? Maybe off message a little bit? Trying to figure out how to deal with this world? Well, the reason is, is because we've done everything but do this. Instead of, instead of saying, God, you direct. I'm going to look at you. Instead of going, yes, that makes me mad. I'm going to. How about doing this? Yeah, that makes me mad, but I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. That's what it takes. Yeah, but no buts. I got the same buts you do. I have like four things I'd like to say right now, and I'm not going to say any of them. <laughs> Thank you for praying for me this morning. <laughs> the, the, the truth is, family, the truth is, I, I have, I, I'm with you, and I want to make that clear this morning. I'm not up here going, what's wrong with you? I'm up here going, what's wrong with us? Gosh, we all want this. I know you do. We all want this. How do we get there? That's our prayer. Lord, help us keep our eyes on you. Help us put our eyes on you. When I, start to, when I start to take over, help me put my eyes back on you. Big wrap-up before communion. This is not unique. Mark's not making this up. This is the impetus of much of the New Testament letters. Do you remember when we started Acts I read you this from Colossians chapter 3, and I want to read verses 1 to 17. Just, I'm not going to talk much about it because it doesn't need to be talked about. What it, what, just take it in. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is actually an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. It's because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of, God, of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Did you see that? Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, whether you have a belt or not, whether you like rock or rap, Christ is all that matters. It's just so clear. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. 
Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message of Christ, in all of its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Those are our marching orders. They're not complicated as written, but they're really complicated when you start realizing that I have to put my flesh aside to do it. That's the problem. The problem is God's not concerned with my political persuasion. Neither is the lost. He is concerned that I love him more than my politics, that I love him more than my Assembly of God upbringing, that I love him more than my Baptist church, that I love him more than having peace with my spouse, that I love him more, fill in the blank. That's the teachings of Jesus in this upside-down world. And that's why the Acts Church was so effective. Because those who decided to surrender their lives to the Lord genuinely did and followed him. And I want us to do that together because it would be a so, easy, so much easier if we did it together. But I want to be clear. That's where I'm going. You guys know that politically I'm conservative. Some of you are not convinced of that. But that's because I'm walking away from it. Aren't you afraid of what's going to happen to America? I know what's going to happen to America. I just taught Revelation. I know. Well, what about, there is no what about. It's okay. God's got this. I'm going to vote. I'm going to encourage you to vote. And then I'm going to go reach all those people that voted differently for him. That's what I'm going to do. Please go with me, because I'm kind of scared of going alone. And I know I'm not alone, but you know what I mean. It would be so much better if we could go together. Can we put off our, our frustrations and our bitterness and, and, and put that all off, because none of it's going to matter. And let's fix our eyes on Jesus and never look away again. So this morning communion is going to be a little different. Let me explain our little communion snack packs. <laughs> It's just a better way in terms of everybody's got diseases, least distraction. On one side is bread, really lousy tasting bread, and really bad if you did the gluten-free stuff. And the other side is supposedly grape juice. We, we ordered the grape juice. If there's wine in there, that ain't on Wendy, but you can blame her. I, I, I don't want music this morning. I don't want emotion. I want our heads. I just want us to decide to follow Jesus because he led us down that path. And, and nobody's looking at you. Just you can, you can look down, and if you choose not to follow him, please don't take. But this communion is a reaction to what we've been learning in Acts and this morning. It doesn't matter if you're part of Carpenter's Way or not. You are invited to become a follower of Jesus. Wherever you are on your church journey, you are not on a journey for God if you're his child. So we invite you to make this very personal, I surrender all to him. Surrender it, family. Whatever it means. 
And if you're ready to do what Jesus did for us, for him, then open the side with the bread. (laughs) This is so silly. Open the side with the bread. And would you take it realizing that this represents his body that was broken for you. And we take it and we remember it and we say, we'll follow you down that path. We will pick up our cross and follow you. And then the cup, the other side. You open that and don't pour it on somebody. But we open the other side and we remember that what we just committed to the Lord was only possible because of what Jesus did for us. It was through the shedding of his blood that there's even forgiveness of sin. There's no point in us following Jesus if our sins hadn't been forgiven. Agreed? And so this reminds us that even this personal I surrender all is completely irrelevant without the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's take it and thank him for what he's done. So we're going to do something weird. I'm going to be quiet for three minutes. And if you'd like to thank God for what he's done, keep it less than five seconds. But would you just take a moment and out loud thank him for what he's done? You can do it right here. Don't be shy. What are you thankful for this morning? Somebody's got to be first. I'm thankful. What? For loving you. That's right, Austin. I'll go second. Let me go second. I'm thankful that while my heart is not, I have a knot in my stomach, I'm super thankful that God doesn't. Do you you know what I mean? He's got this. Somebody over here. Don't let me quote you. Who Who was saying something they're thankful for what? What did Beverly say? Somebody say it loud. Mark, what did she say? That he died for her. I'm thankful he died for you too, Beverly. I am too. Never giving up on you. John A., is there a reason he should have given up on you? Yeah. I can pick on John A. because we're close, but the truth is he should have given up on us. What else? What are you thankful for this morning? Thankful for the pastors in Afghanistan giving an example. Amen to that. Go ahead. I heard for the Holy Spirit. Can somebody yell out what she said? The Holy Spirit who grows us according to his will and word. Thank you. Right on. Others. Okay, just a second, Charles. What? What, honey? Was there a child or... Forgiving what for you? Faith. Preach it, brother. Pulpit's yours next week. <laughs> Giving faith. I, I think he wants it. Forgiving faith. Very good. Charles? What do you say, Mark? He remembers our sin no more. We're declared righteous. Oh, man. Anybody else? What are you thankful for? All of you are thankful all of a sudden. So what? who said something over here? For the career path he gave you. Isn't he good? He's good even that. Yes. His love, his mercy, and his grace. Mercy is defined in not getting what we deserve, hell. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, this. Anybody else? What would you say, sweetie? 
that you're redeemed, fantastic. Somebody here in the middle. Yes. said he's thankful that God showed him the way he needed to go. How good is God that he would take time with all going on in Iran and China? He looked at you and said, I'm going to show you a path. How crazy is that? The God of the universe would worry about a little East Texan. That is phenomenal. Somebody else. Kim. So Kim said she is thankful for the joy she has in the ministries that God has given her. That is so on point. Did I represent that right? Perfect. Yes. It is the joy in being the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, there is something that's happened to me since I've turned the news off mostly, and that is that I say to Julie this line that probably drives her nuts. Not my country, not my world anymore. And it helps me because... I still feel like I own this. I don't. I voted. I did my part. Moving on. Somebody else before we wrap up. Okay, over here, and then I'll come over here, Deborah. Go ahead. Sending his son to die for us. And for you to have that at a young age, honey, you follow him. And the cost will be great, but it is worth it. Good for you. Good answer. Deborah? Yes, the family of the worldwide church body. Scripture says we hurt with each other when we hurt, and we celebrate with each other when we celebrate. And both are happening at this moment in Afghanistan. What else? I, I didn't hear what somebody said. Always staying by our side. Amen. Yes, Yvette. <laughs> Did your mom come to the Lord at 87? Wow. So we need to pray for Yvette's mom uh, who's, who's following, who's seeking Jesus at 87. Never too late. Yeah. Anybody else before we close? Thankful for giving, Thankful for giving you. Who said that? Heather, I'm giving you a big hug after the service. No. Thankful for this church family. You know what? Julie and I have talked about that a lot lately. Uh, there, there's been some new folks come to Carpenter's Way, and one of the things that they say is, I can't believe this church lets you say from the pulpit what you say. We are so thankful for you. We are so... <laughs> oh, okay, that probably didn't come out the way it should have. I'm going to be quiet now. Yeah. So Maddie said that she's thankful for the courage and strength to do something that, that nobody else would do. Good for you. Anybody else before we wrap up? The Word became flesh. Who said that? Awesome. Thankful for God's Word. That's the measuring tape, isn't it? It gives us hope. Yes, Marsha. So she said the privilege of prayer, the ability to talk to God on behalf of others and, and about others. Let me, let me add to that and say something. Look, I understand that the stuff we talked about this morning are preacher stuff, right? You need to do more. You need to surrender more. But the truth is, I'm not saying that that's an easy jump. In fact, it's impossible without God. And it's prayer that makes it possible. Instead of praying, 
Help me love those people. Just saying, help me love them like you do. Help me, help me ministering, even if I don't love them. Help me, you pray all of these things. Help me, I don't even know what it means to fix my eyes on you. Help me fix my eyes on you. Prayer is precious, isn't it? Man, that's so good. Thank you, Marsha. Yes? What, uh, what do you say, Justin, what do you say? He gave you peace in heaven. Two great gifts, dude. Do you know that in heaven you and I are going to hang out for a long time and we'll be the same age? <laughs> How crazy is that, buddy? What a great answer. Huh? We are brothers right now. But don't take advantage of that. I'm still Pastor Mark. <laughs> Together, right? Lord Jesus, thank you for our family. Now, Father. May we give up everything but you. Amen. Have a wonderful day, everybody.